go ahead, jump in and get started. I'm going to introduce myself and then introduce our guest and have her share a little bit more about herself. So my name is Erica Jordan Thomas. I am a former teacher, former instructional coach, former assistant principal, former principal, current doctoral student in education leadership at Harvard Graduate School of Education. And I am founder and CEO of EJT Consulting LLC and Get Launched Consulting. And so I'm excited for Get Launched Consulting conversation conversations and to have some time with Jessica, who is going to tell us all about her journey and her consulting business tonight. And we are going to learn about her journey and launching her business. And so Jessica, would love for you to just share with with us and, and folks listening your story. So give us like your education movie trailer. Tell us about that. Well, it opens in a log cabin in the wood. No, it doesn't. It actually <laughs> opens in Arkansas. <laughs> okay. So, I'm an Arkansas native. I have lived here my entire life. I went to school for biology. I was like, I'm going to go into healthcare. And long story short, when I got out of my education, um, I realized I was not ready to kind of figure everything out. And I still wanted to try some stuff. And so I became a teacher. I became a teacher through Teach for America in 2015. Totally honest moment here. I actually did it on a in an attempt to move out of Arkansas, my home state. I was like, this is a good way to move and ensure I have a job and it's going to be great and I'll contribute and things. And then they saw me and they were like, LOL, no, you're staying in Arkansas. And I was like, well, okay then. <laughs> so I'm still in Arkansas. That was six years ago. I'm still a teacher. I have been teaching as a secondary science teacher for the past six years in Arkansas. I love it. I'm very, very glad that I was asked to stay here because honestly, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I've realized kind of my dream and my passion for helping my home state and doing whatever I can to make it the best state it can possibly be. And that's been really important for me. It's driven a lot of my educational pursuits. In the past six years, I've gotten my master's through Johns Hopkins. I've gotten a principal's license, and I'm actually working on a degree in education policy through Texas Tech University. Oh, so, cool. A lot going on here. But mm-hmm. I say all that to say that while I've been a teacher all this time, I realized pretty quickly that the work that I do is really, really important for the approximately 150 kids I see every day. I think I'm able to make a difference. I think I'm able to teach them something that is relevant to their lives. But there are also times where I'm like, okay, I know my state. I've been here my entire life. And I know that there are some other problems that we need to solve. And if we can solve those, it can make life better for all students across the state. So that's kind of where it's driven my educational pursuits and my attempts to expand what I've been doing. And so I kind of, same as I did when I got into teaching, I decided to experiment. And so... I tried out instructional coaching and really enjoyed it. I tried out um, working on curriculum and things like that and really enjoyed it. But one thing that happened just to try it out, so to speak, but also to pay for graduate school, I started teaching online. I was teaching ESL to kids in China at five in the morning. And wow, I'm a high school teacher. I have a strict 14 and up rule. I don't I don't go lower. (laughs) I found I really, really enjoyed this opportunity. One, because it's five-year-olds and there's only one of them at a time and they're adorable. But second, it really made me question kind of some of the traditions of our education system. It was 
amazing because I would work with these kids for 30 minutes twice a week. And the amount of learning and knowledge that they would retain compared to, you know, the kids I saw three or four days a week for 90 minutes at a time, I was like, they're picking this up so fast because Mm. there was only one or two at a time. And so I expanded that. I started working with high school students and kind of seeing how it could work in a supplementary manner and started seeing, you know, different tools I could use to teach virtually and work with kids where it was a little more flexible. And it didn't matter all of a sudden, you know, that they had football practice or maybe that they lived on the other side of the country because they were on a trip, whatever. I could still work with kids and help them out. So I went through all this stuff and I was kind of like, this is really, really cool. This plays a lot into my history coming from Arkansas because it can be a very urban state with a couple little metropolises here and there. But other than that, it's very, very rural. And so a lot of farm towns, a lot of spaces where there's a lot of distance before you find another person. And while that's wonderful for me, I love the wide open spaces. We all know that one of the issues with that is sometimes rural spaces have a really hard time retaining high quality teachers. And through virtual learning, I've kind of figured out it doesn't matter where you live. We can find a way to get you a high quality teacher. So I say all that to say... This goes on. I'm getting in my groove with it. I'm like, I really like this. I think I want to do something with this. I was um, investigating it through my PhD. I was still doing it in the mornings and on the weekends and at night. And then COVID hit. Mm. (laughs) And I knew COVID was kind of coming back in December when it first hit in China because I was teaching kids in China. And it was their Lunar New Year. And all my kids were like, no, no more Lunar New Year. And I was like, "Mm, Mm. no more Lunar New Year. And so as a science teacher, I heard about it and I was like, oh, well, it's America. We'll be prepared. We're going to be ready. We're going to handle it. And then we all know it was just such a monstrous thing that kind of pelted through and ultimately we weren't prepared for it. And so school shut down. And that was really scary for a lot of teachers. You know, I know teachers have gone to work every single day and missed like maybe one day for 40 years. And all of a sudden it's, nope, you're not going to see your kids still. I don't know. And so we go through all of that. We're trying to teach them online, but it's it's a snow day, essentially, for mm-hmm. two months. So we go on from there, and then we come back in August. And this is when I'm really starting to get into it. I'm working with friends of mine, colleagues, and just kind of sharing the tips I've figured out through teaching online. Like, well, if you want to hold their attention, don't have Zoom for this long. If you want to get them to participate in an activity, make sure you have an icebreaker, this and that. And so I was sharing all these tips, and I just kind of realized, you know, we're probably going to keep needing this for a while because this virus isn't going away. And so long story short, that's how I ended up in Get Launched. I had that idea. I didn't quite know how to share it outside of my Facebook page. And now it's turned into a consulting business. Now I'm sharing virtual learning with teachers. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I love this so much. And you're getting some love in in the chat too of people connecting with your story. Um, And as we we go throughout this conversation, you all, if you have questions for Jessica that you want me to ask, please drop those into the chat and I'll monitor the chat for, for us. So one thing that you said that was really powerful was that you saw a problem and you had you had solutions. And so I just want to pull that out and highlight that because I think oftentimes for a lot of educators who are contemplating whether or not 
they are equipped or have the right experiences to launch a consulting business. What you just shared so beautifully articulated that if you see a problem and you have a solution, you have the foundation or an idea for a consulting business. Mm -hmm. And so I just love what you just shared because that really just underscored that a consulting business is solving a problem. And so if you have a solution, if if you you have had evidence of results to the particular solution, which you most mm-hmm. certainly had, then you have the makings of a business, which is, is so beautiful. So tell us a, more, a little bit more about your business. So it's Passion to Progress, and you shared a little bit around virtual learning, but if you had to define your target client, well, mm-hmm. actually, let's take a step back. Tell us if, if you had to define the problem that you're solving, what would you define as the problem that your consulting business is solving? So passion to progress is all about, it's going to sound really silly, passion and progress. <laughs> I mean that in terms of teachers are typically very passionate individuals. You know, there's the common rhetoric of you don't get in this for the money, the prestige, blah, 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 blah. And while I do believe that some of that rhetoric needs to shift a little bit. I think teachers do deserve a lot of prestige and I think they do deserve a little more income, but we're passionate about what we do. And when we're passionate, we're able to generate progress towards a greater outcome. So originally when I started Passion to Progress, it was probably like six or eight months ago. And I started it, it was originally going to be a policy blog because I'm a policy student. But as I got into it, I was, and this is something that's always been with me since I started teaching. I've never been very good at sitting still. I always want to do something, do something, do something. And so I was like, okay, well, I can write a policy brief every now and then. But this page, this blog, whatever, could be more than that. It could be something really, really actionable. It could be something that really helps people. And so ever since then, the big problem that I've been trying to advocate for is teachers. Teachers need help. And I don't think we always have a front line who's right there for teachers ready to step in and help and empower them. So one of the big things that I talk about in my virtual learning is that every teacher deserves to feel confident in their classroom, whether it's virtual or brick and mortar. And while a lot of teachers feel very, very confident in brick and mortar, you can have a milk and award teacher, but if you put them in a virtual learning environment, it's just not the same. You might as well have changed the language and given them a typewriter. It's just different. And so the Mm. problem here is we don't always, we ask a lot of teachers, but we don't always give them the support that they need, but we still expect the same outcome. So right now I'm especially advocating for virtual learning, but the goal of passionate, passion to progress is to rally together a bunch of passionate people to try and get where we can advocate for teachers and make sure that they always have what they need. Because right now, frankly, Mm. they don't and they need it. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Who would you identify as your your target client? And then mm-hmm. uh, give us a brief, brief overview of just uh, some of your services. So my target is first and foremost, teachers. While I have some partnerships that I'm working on and some that I've already got with districts and organizations, my first step is to always get it straight to the front lines for teachers. I've worked in Title I districts my entire career. And one thing that can be really hard for teachers to get is resources. Unfortunately, a lot of the times we end up, you know, going out of pocket, things like that. And it's not always cheap. It's not always 99 cents on teachers pay teachers. So one Mm. thing that I really want to make sure that I do with my services is if a teacher is ever interested, it's not high cost. It's something that they can easily access. 
And then when I am working with a district or an organization, making sure that it's teacher-centered. I've gotten a little bit of pushback on that target population because Mm. as a teacher, it's always, well, shouldn't we be student-centered? And yes, we should. But if you don't keep the teacher in mind, the teacher is the number one factor that's going to influence student learning. And if you don't take care of your teachers, they can't take care of their kids. And so that's where I'm... You are preaching here. Yes. Oh my goodness. And so, okay. So you, we are getting a couple of questions. Oh, what? <laughs> um, so some, someone asked, are you still teaching full time? Yes. <laughs> Which is a lot. <laughs> so, so tell us about, tell us about how you're balancing and, and managing teaching full time while you're also running your business. So I think one thing that's really important is especially in the ground phase of this, actually teaching while I'm doing this. I'm sure a lot of educators out there have sometimes had that thing. It's like, you know, if sometimes it can almost feel like your supervisors can be a little bit distanced from you if they've been out of the classroom too long, things like that. And so one of my goals is to stay in touch with the classroom as much as I can. And I know people do that in a variety of ways, whether they're actually observing classrooms, whether they're the teacher in the classroom, this and that. It's time to have a schedule, a to-do list, Y'all can't see it. There's a six foot whiteboard in my home office that just has like 50 things I need to do right now. But I'm regimented. I schedule it out. One thing that I try to do with my business and I don't have admin experience. Oh my goodness. So you said so many rich things that, that <laughs> I want to I wanna highlight and, and pull back a little bit. So first, this key point that you are uniquely positioned as a business owner to deliver the services aligned to the problem that you are solving because you are a teacher right now. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you have this on the ground, in the moment, real-time experience is actually positioning you to more deeply know the problem that you're solving. And it's more, more deeply positioning you to understand your target client. So I love the way that you're laying this out and acknowledging, I think the spirit of the question that we received is this tension that, that running a business while you're also working full time, it's, it's, it takes work. It doesn't come easy. It takes some strategy. And I hear you talking about some other strategy that includes like scheduling out content. Would there be any other like strategies that you would would name that you found to be really helpful to help kind of manage both of these things? So one of the other things that I really try to do in addition to like the to-do list and the scheduling and things like that, I really try to keep my ear to the ground for what content is actually going to help teachers the most. You know, we see ads all the time. We see email lists on, well, here's my master class. Here's my weekly newsletter. Here's my this. Here's my that. And so I try really hard to pull the interest that I do get and say, hey, I hope you enjoyed this, but what is like the most accessible way for me to get you this content? And so some people I've heard, that's a blog post. Some people I've heard, that's just keep the little infographics on Instagram coming. Sometimes they want the webinar, things like that. And so I'm driving my content towards these projects that I know people are waiting for. And that's really motivating to me when I hear people say, oh, I love this, but I wish I could have gotten in like a five-minute newsletter instead of a 30-minute webinar. And I'm like, well, I am motivated to do that because you said you wanted it. So keeping motivated, keeping passionate about the project that I'm trying to do because I know that's what my client base wants, that really helps me stay fired up and ready to keep doing this stuff. 
I'm the type of person who always has a show on in the background to dress my husband nuts, but I do it anyway. <laughs> but I do it because it's all shows I've seen. I can have it in the background, just the noise kind of pumping me up while I'm sitting there. And I'm like, you know, I'll see content from other creators. And I'm like, ah, oh, I could do something similar to that. And I get on camera and it just turns into a rabbit hole of stuff. And so once I keep playing with that stuff and I have my little treasure trove, it gets easier to just kind of push out one or two pieces every week. Okay. So I'm hearing you, I'm, I'm hearing that there is a little bit of like strategy that also is leading to consistency. And so like, whether that is, is leveraging the content that you currently are naturally producing through your role, which I think is such an incredible gift when you're still working full time in your role, whether that's a teacher or school leader or counselor or whatever your role is in education, when you're still in that role, you are actually producing content that you could be using in your business. You are actually producing things that could be, you could be turning turnkey and using for your services. So when I started my consulting business over three years ago, I was mm-hmm. a principal at the time. My business was focused on training and developing school leaders. And I had tons of content already built because I was giving professional development every Friday to my instructional leadership team for two to mm-hmm. three hours. So I had tons of PD already built up. And so I love what you're saying is, is this opportunity that we you have as someone who's still full-time working in the role so that you're naturally building content that you could be leveraging in your business. So take advantage of that. And then the other thing I hear you naming is that you've created almost a, a routine or pattern in terms mm-hmm. of the times that you're dedicating towards towards your business, which I think is is really, really amazing and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another question that we received that I wanted to make sure that we asked. And if folks have other questions, please go ahead and submit those so that, and that you want me to ask Jessica and we will make sure that we get those answered for you. This question is, did you create an LLC and how did you get clientele? Yes. So I did create an LLC. I was able to follow... I can learn almost anything on the internet. You know, I was the kid who was born on the internet, came out like three years later. So I'm like got this. I can find anything. And so I did that not terribly quickly, but pretty quickly on, um, especially once I saw that I was really getting interest. I saw that I was having, like, I would look at my Instagram post and see the insights, the um, business statistics on who was interacting with it. And I was like, okay, we're getting some traction. We're moving up. So I filed the LLC. In terms of getting clients, a lot of that has just been about communication. And so pretty much anytime I see an opportunity to network with someone, I learned years ago that In addition to having Facebook on my phone, right next to it, I have LinkedIn. And so I'm on LinkedIn Mm. a lot. And so I can kind of network and follow people on there. I've been trying really hard to find other social media mentors, if you will, on Instagram, Twitter. I'm trying to be a lot more active on Twitter and just be in the community and be visual. Like I said earlier, I'm pretty young. I don't have a ton of like cred. I haven't written a book or put out a documentary or anything yet. But... I still know my stuff and I have this niche skill that I'm trying to share. And so I'm always dropping those little nuggets on Instagram. So I call them Easter eggs. And so I'll (laughs) post like, I don't know, five opportunities in virtual learning and I'll, it'll have a cute picture on Instagram and then it'll have the five opportunities on it. And so I'm trying to show through it like, Hey, here's some stuff I know. 
And then kind of like you were saying about recycling that content, that's a lot of what goes into my PD or a lot of my posts come from the webinars and things that I do. So I can kind of put them back and forth just depending on the audience. I get some people, like I said, want that newsletter, some want the webinar. But either way, it's on the internet, all over the place and all the different platforms people want. Mm -hmm. Jessica, we just had somebody ask, what's your Instagram handle? Yes, it is at passion underscore two underscore progress. Is it the number two or spelled out T-O-2? T-O. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Question we just got is, how did you start? And I think this question is interesting because actually someone else also submitted this question. Let me actually take a step back because I think the word start can mean many things. So I would <laughs> offer up for anyone, and because I, I think the word start is also similar to the word launch, that you define personally how you define the word start or launch. So my personal definition of start or launch is the moment that you conceive your idea for a consulting business, you've started. The mm-hmm. moment that you have birthed your idea of your consulting business, you've launched. So that is my personal definition of starting or launching, because I think sometimes we put so much emphasis on the start or launch into, and we define it by action that we actually sometimes unconsciously create obstacles in building our business because we think we have to have X, Y, and Z done in order to start or launch. When it's like, actually, you start from the moment you birth the idea, you started and you've launched. So I want to tweak this question just a little bit through your experience of virtual learning through some of the the ahas that you had around realizing the gifts that you you had in this area that you're focusing on in your business what would you say would be the first step that you took to build your business and then i would also love for you to talk about the first step you took to find your first client so like I said earlier, I'm very product action oriented. I need something shiny and tangible at the end so I can say, look, I need that. I did something. And so I think honestly, the big first step for me, I kind of talked about this earlier, was the website, Passion to Progress. That phrase had actually popped into my head, I think back in, I think it was June. Yes, it was June or July. It was hot. We were working on a voter registration drive. And so one of the phrases that I put when I was advertising for it was turn that passion into progress. This is, you know, when a lot of the marches were going on, a lot of the rallies, it was at one of the rallies. We had a voter registration drive. And so we were talking about all the passionate people who were out there trying to make a difference. And I was like, let's take this passion, let's turn it to progress, get registered to vote, let's make some real change, la, 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 la. And when I said it and put it on Facebook, it just kind of stuck out in my head. And I was like... Yeah, I like that. It rings. It's good. I'm a Sagittarius, so I like fiery things. It's good. <laughs> so, and so that was kind of when the first idea of like the website as a policy blog kind of blew into my head, I guess. I was like, all right, I want to get some fired up people and I want to put them together and I want to give them some stuff they can do, you know? And so, of course, COVID goes on, things like that. And I started to realize, okay, well, let's get real. That's not the biggest fire in the room, if you will. This is much bigger and this is affecting our kids, affecting our teachers right now. 
And so I got into that and that's when I really started building my website. I'm a computer science teacher. So that was honestly a lot of fun for me. I turned on my parks and rec in the background, had my account up and I was like, all right, this can get pretty. And so that kind of got me motivated because in addition to having a product, it made me really think a lot about a lot of the questions that you're asking me. I was like, all right, well, here's a cute website. I can put some pictures and some fancy words, but if people come here, what are they looking for? What do they want from me? And so it forced me to really draft out, you know, and about me, how is my background relevant to this? It forced forced me to draft out, here's the products I'm actually going to offer. Here's something that I can give you, something tangible that will help you. And so it was kind of like a brainstorming product where I had to sit and really contemplate and reflect on, okay, if I'm going to do this, what is what are people going to come to me for? And so from there, that was, I think, where I really started because I have lots of ideas every day. I'm going to be an astronaut in most <laughs> of my daydreams. So until I have a product, it's really not starting for me. <laughs> But so that was when I was like, all right, this is tangible. I know what I want to help people with. I know how I'm going to help people. This is my platform. Boom. And so that's when I really started to dig into it. But getting the actual client, you know, like I said, you can have a website. It can be pretty and tell people stuff and everything. But people really like their actions over words. And Mm -hmm. so that was when I really started trying to show people my actions. Um, I did PD for my school. I started trying to offer webinars and things like that on the internet, just kind of showing this is what I got. Do you think this stuff's going to help you? I spend a lot of time talking to people. Anytime someone mentioned on the internet, like having this trouble with virtual learning, anyone want to brainstorm? And I was like, let's chat. So (laughs) just trying to network with everyone and be like, hey, talk to me. Let's talk about your problems. I'll give you Mm. solutions to your problems. And so it took a little while, you know, um, you go fishing, you don't catch every single fish you get. I don't have that kind of magic fishing pole, I guess. But I did. No one does. No. But one thing that happened a lot through those calls, it wasn't just that I was kind of fishing. I was also kind of looking for information because while I have my perspective of what the problem is, my perspective is a little skewed because obviously I'm pretty comfortable with virtual learning. But when I was talking to a lot of people, we had a lot of realizations. So like one teacher I was talking to, he was like, yeah, we've got all the tech. We've got all this. I don't know why it's not working. And we slowly came to the conclusion together through the conversation. The issue wasn't the tech. It was trying to maintain authentic relationships through tech. And so that became a big anchor point that I started putting in my content. Of Teachers can learn tech no matter what you want. It's learning how to do a relationship through a camera. So all those conversations, a lot of insight that I needed to build my content and talk to people. So then Mm -hmm. uh, finally, you know, I inserted all that into my webinars, my infographics, and eventually I went fishing and I hooked one. And one was like, I really like what you're putting out there. And I was like, thank you. And they were like, I will write you a check for that. And I was like, double thank you. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. So it sounded like you were really comfortable putting yourself out there and talking about your business and having conversations with people. And so would you agree that you were comfortable doing that? And, and or did you, did you have any mindsets <laughs> that you had to overcome in order to do that? I will say I kept myself in my safe zone. So let me give you a metaphor, if you will. So I'm from a town called Little Rock, but I don't live there anymore. I now live in Jonesboro. When I'm in Jonesboro, I don't leave my house unless I'm put together. Because everywhere I go, I see students and people who know me. But when I go back to Little Rock, no one knows who I am. And I go to the grocery store in sweatpants and I don't care because no one knows me and they're never going to remember me. 
it's the same concept when I'm looking for a client. Obviously, I'm going out there and I am my best put together and all these things. But if it doesn't work out, the reality is they may remember me a little bit, but they don't know me. They haven't engaged in that true relationship yet. And I'm not going to get embarrassed over an interaction that I had with them. I know I'm putting my best foot forward. If they don't want my product, that's fine. Apparently, I'm never going to see them again. So I don't have to worry about it. If they do want my product, that means obviously I did something good. So a lot of it was almost easier reaching out to those blind contacts that I made just because I didn't know them. They didn't know me. And mm. it was longer on their part, not me. If anything, scarier when I would talk about it at home here in Jonesboro. Because mm. here I know people and I'm going to live here probably for the rest of my life. And so now I'm like, oh, this messes up. They're going to know forever. They're going to bring it up in like 20 years. So I almost kind of recommend that. Like, not to say go out of your comfort zone, but go out of your actual zone of where you live for your practice mm. round. Mm. Oh, I love that. I mm. love that. And I think that's the benefit now of like, you know, as, as complex and, and difficult as this time is living during a pandemic, you have a little bit of the benefit from a consulting business standpoint of you don't have to limit your impact to geographically where you're located, that you can, you can interact and get business all, all over, which is huge, which Mm -hmm. is extremely huge. So Tell us about, because you were in cycle four of the program, Get Launch Consulting. <laughs> yeah. So would just briefly love to, yes, come on, for you that represent, yes, would just love to hear you talk about like, like what was, what was the most meaningful or powerful learning that you had through the program? What, when you think about where you started and then where you, you finished the program, because I'm trying to remember for cycle four, we wrapped up in what month was that? Was that October? It was like in the September, beginning of October. I think it was like September 30th. Yep, yep. It was the last week of September. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So tell us like what you got out of the program and um, what, yeah, what was, what was your most meaningful like learning or, or just was most powerful from, from going through the program? So I think the most meaningful part, like I said earlier, I'm a kid of the 90s. I was actually born in the 90s, so I can say that. Like the early 90s, not the late 90s. But um, (laughs) I can learn anything on the internet. Like every now and then when our cars mess up, I'll go fix it because I learned something on the internet. And I'm like, yeah, I learned how to do that on the internet. And so I think one of the things about the business that I really appreciate, your business that I really appreciated was the logistics side because it was all right there. I didn't have to look for it. But the part that I appreciated most was the stuff that I couldn't get on the internet. You know, there was a lot, a lot of content about this phrase is always going to be stuck in my head, the mind trash, starting a business. You know, I'm, like I've said many times, so clearly it's stuck in my head and I still need to call the garbage man for it. I am young. And that was a big thing that I went in. I was just like, no one's going to take me seriously. I'm blonde and young and people are just going to think I'm just... Like, what if they think this is like my pyramid scheme? Like, what am I? I had a lot of that going in. And so while the logistical side of it was great, it was right there and it was scaffolded right as I needed. So much of it was the psychological kind of reflection and examination in the cohort of, hey, you can do this. Let's get real. Most of the people who start businesses are not as qualified as you and don't have nearly as good of ideas as you. And so being able to go through that in an environment that was so empowering, 
And to hear that and have someone tell me, no, 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 this is a good idea. Like you need to stick with it. And not only do you need to stick with it, I'm not just going to tell you, okay, now go do it. I'm going to give you the tools to actually do it. So I think that was the most powerful thing. I could have found out how to file an LLC online. I could have figured out how to do an invoice, these things, whatever. But I needed someone to, and a group to work with me and say, yeah, this is a good idea. You need to run with it. And then here's how you're going to run. So that was what was important to me. All right. And then we got one last question. Okay. When you offered webinars, you put them on your social sites. I think that's a statement and not a question. So please clarify in the chat if that's meant to be a question of whether or not they go on the social sites. But then the second part is, what platform did you use and how many people came to your first few webinars? Ooh, so (laughs) let's talk about that mind flash again. So I put advertise them all over the place. Like I put them on Instagram, I put them on Facebook, I put them on Twitter. And honestly, my biggest grab is Facebook. I don't know if that's because all of my contacts through that I've accumulated over the past six years are just on there and I share everything like crazy and all my groups on there. Um, but Facebook is my big one. And so the first ones, I'll be honest, the first one, there was one person there. The next one, there were two or three. And it just kind of goes from there. And so I think, one, people need to see you're not just going to do this once and then give up. They need to see that this is an actual concentrated effort. This isn't just some girl who's good at making pictures look cute on Instagram. They need to see something real. I think also, kind of like I was saying earlier, it needs to be content that's accessible to people. And for a lot of teachers, I realized pretty quickly, there's a lot of them who do want webinars, but not a lot of them have time for webinars right now. Um, If you look at what teachers are going through, a lot of them are working double jobs right now. And so while I focused a lot on webinars in the beginning, I'm slowly kind of shifting my content more towards infographics, newsletter type stuff. I'm looking at some other platforms that I can put these things in that are more referency than live. I think live has a lot of value, but I don't think it's the most accessible thing to my audience right now. Mm. Oh, oh, I just get like, like so overwhelmed with like, I mean, there's so much that you are indirectly saying in what you just shared, because what you indirectly just said is that I failed fast, Mm -hmm. meaning I tried something, Mm -hmm. I got data back, and then Mm -hmm. I, I made a pivot. Yeah. And so, and I also heard you say my audience. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it, webinars isn't a bad strategy. It's just Mm -hmm. you are gaining so much data around your target client and your audience Mm -hmm. that we have to, as entrepreneurs, we have to reframe the quote unquote failing part as, as getting data quickly and pivoting. So mm-hmm. part of entrepreneurship is you have to fail fast. You just need to try something, mm-hmm. get data, see what the data says and adjust. Sometimes the data is registration of a webinar. Sometimes the data is how did you feel after you did it? Did Were you energized? Did it suck <laughs> your energy? Did you like doing it? Are you now all hot and sweaty and you don't want to do it again? Like sometimes your physical internal body response is data too. And so I just love what you just said is that's a part of the entrepreneurial journey, which I think sometimes is very hard for us as, as overachiever type A educators that made us like so great as in the, in the classroom and with our kids. 
is that we we don't like for things to work to not work when actually as an entrepreneur you are are are, are waiting on the results and you position you reframe the quote unquote failing as I got data to inform my next decision. I think that is so great and so amazing. I love that so much. And um, tell us how people can contact you, how they can reach you. What's the best way that people can continue to engage with you? So like I said earlier, I've got my Instagram. So that's been put in the comments and everything. And obviously you can go back to Erica's previous posts. It's got me linked in there and everything. If you're interested there, once you get on my Instagram page, that's where all my infographics, all my announcements go, everything. So obviously, if you're watching an IG Live, this is probably your home, I'm going to assume. However, if you want some more stuff, I do have a landing page where my website is listed. That can be found in my Instagram profile. Through all that, it's got all of the icons where you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, da 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 If you want to email me, it's all in there. Like I said, child of early 90s. So if you send me messages, I respond to them pretty quickly. So I think those Uh, are the main methods of communication I respond to. Awesome. Awesome. And Jessica was a member of Cycle 4. In just a short amount of time, the things that you've been able to do in your business just give me chills and make me so excited about the work that you are doing. The way you have overcame your mind trash and just pushed it to the side of how you are visibly putting yourself out there. You're putting your business out there. It just makes me so excited for everything that you are doing and all the things that you're going to be able to accomplish through your business. I'm so, so proud of you. I'm just so, you know, I'm forever in your corner. I'm forever your cheerleader and your forever coach. And Jessica, thank you. Thank you so much. This was so great. And you're getting tons of love in in the chat, in the comments, just showing gratitude for you taking time tonight to share your story. And I'm extremely grateful for you, your business, and the fact that you are betting on yourself. So thank you for tonight and be safe, be well. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. It was so great to be here. Thank you for having me. 